0: On this episode of the Advanced Foundations Podcast, hearing God will take you on an exciting journey of growing in fellowship with Him and walking in His ways as you respond to His voice. Welcome to Hear and Obey. This is session four. I hope that you have enjoyed uh, the previous sessions. Our heart's desire is to really help you uh, hear God. He says, my sheep will hear my voice. And so, he wants to communicate to us, and we've been talking about that. Um, in the last session, talked about the importance of the foundation of understanding the Word of God, and I'm going to take that and we'll build on it in this particular session. And when I, again, I'll repeat myself. When I talk about hearing God, uh, most of the time we think about immediately our hearing our natural ears. God communicates in so many ways. He communicates... Uh, Through the scripture, he communicates through a still small voice. He communicates through when we pray, when we do praise and worship. If we're open, and what I've talked about uh, in the last session, and we'll continue to talk about it being sensitive to the spirit, learning literally how to hear, because you could, uh, through nature, through other people, if you're listening, with both spiritual ears and natural ears and in tune to the Spirit of God, communicates in all kinds of ways. And so that's what God wants us to do is learn how to tune in and to really focus on and and hear Him. Uh, I can still do natural things and still do a job and still do a function of whatever I need to function, but He communicates in so many ways. So so our hearts' desire is to help us all to be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Uh, we would all love to have a, um, I, you know, I used to say something written on the wall. Now you need a text message. Uh, but the point is, is that we'd love to have messages that would be that clear. But it's uh, typically not that way. He's called us to be sons and daughters and children of the Most High God. He's called us into families, called us into relationship. And that's really what He desires. It's not just about telling us things or us getting things and asking all the time. It's about relationship. Uh, and real good relationships have good communication. If you don't have good communication, you're probably not going to have a good relationship. God's desire is that we would have a good relationship with Him. So what I want to focus on in this session, and I, again, I hope that you've downloaded the, uh, the manual so you can follow along, because I would just want to encourage you, don't just watch this or go through it. Anytime you're wanting to learn something, it's important to hear, but it's also important to with the read and reading whatever I've been printed here, and then go back over it with your own notes and let God really cause us to become real in your life. Uh, what I wanna talk about first and foremost is really again, through the Word of God. The Word of God is the foundation because it's God's vocabulary. And it's so important for us to understand uh, his vocabulary. Uh, I had a privilege of traveling to some foreign nations in the years past. And when you go to a foreign nation and uh, speak a foreign language, the people there really appreciate you trying to learn their language. And they'll, I'll say, "Well, now, how do you say this?" And they would say it. I'd try to say it, and of course, they'd—I'd butcher. The, uh, the words in different languages, but they appreciate you trying to learn their language. If you don't care to learn their language at all, it's basically saying, I don't care about you. Well, God has already spoken. He has spoken, and he has given us his word. His word has been preserved for literally thousands of years. It's been tested. It's been criticized. It's been uh, scrutinized. Uh, every possible way, then you know something? It's still here. So he has spoken to us. And it's important for us to really have his word in us and recognize that. This is 2 Timothy 2.15. says, be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So again, if we're gonna be a disciple of Christ, we have to understand the importance of the word of God. We have to understand the that he has spoken, and we're, we're wanting him to tell us things, but really he's already told us things. So it's important for us to go to his word. This is also 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Again, it's not talking about just men, talking about uh, all of us to be equipped. If we are really going to understand and hear from God, we have to know His Word. Now, at the same time, when we talk about knowing uh, His Word, we also need to understand the part that the Spirit plays in this. Now, I'm going to read, this is not in the manual, this is John 16, and we talked about the Holy Spirit in session 2. But this is in uh, John 16, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 13. It says, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine, and he will declare it to you. And so I just, I, I share that because we have to understand the Word of God and the Spirit of God working together. Now, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Eyes not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For it's the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we've received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we speak not in words man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So what I'm wanting to talk about in the remaining time here, we have to know the Word of God, but we also have to embrace the Holy Spirit. And so it's the Holy Spirit that reveals the Word of God to us. We need both. It's not an either-or issue. And that's what we're going to discuss in this entire session is that we've got to know the truth of God's Word, and we've also got to know and embrace the Spirit For he is the one that searches the deep things of God and makes known to our spirit the things that have been freely given to us by God. So it's the Holy Spirit that's working. This is out of Vine's Dictionary. When it talks about, uh, he reveals to us, it's the uncovering, unveiling, or literally illuminating something to us. So that's what what we're talking about. We're gonna talk about the fact that the word of God is truth but the spirit of God makes it alive and real to us. Ephesians 1.17, we're told to pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God. Well, what's that talking about? Again, it's again talking about, we don't need just head information. We need that revelation that comes by the spirit of God. This is Hebrews 4.12. So the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and joints and marrow, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. Huh, oh, that's another dynamic uh, verse. What is it saying? Well, we know that Jesus is the Word. So when it says it's alive, this Bible is not just some black ink on white pages, or if you if you have the red letter edition, no, it is the living Word. Jesus is the Word. And so, this is why this is so important. It's not just a book. Uh, You can read a history book. You can read a training manual. You can read all kinds of things, but nothing is like the Word of God because you're holding in your hands, or if you have it on your electronic device, you're holding something that those words are alive. Uh, He said, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and truth. And so, he wants us to understand the power of these things working together. Now, when we talk about this, I'm going to shift gears a little bit here. I'm going to talk about the objective truth and the subjective truth. Objective truth is the Word of God. It is absolute truth. You, you, can, you can, like he says, he watches over his word to perform it. Um, heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will not. Uh, this word is living, it's active, it, it's a live word. At the same time, there is the subjective part that the Spirit brings. that causes the objective truth to come alive in our lives and makes it real to us. And so it's so important for us to recognize this. We We need both. It's not an issue of, I just need one or the other. Objective truth of God's word can be studied and learned by the mind. But we also need God to speak to us subjectively or spiritually or intuitively so that we can know the truth that's in our minds. Not only know it in our mind, but we can experience it in our very selves. This is from a, um, I took this quote out of Communion with God by Mark and Patty Verkler, a, a seminar that they did, did years ago when I went through this. Well, I thought this was really good. It says, for instance, I can learn that God loves me. Now, again, I'm talking about objective truth. I can learn that. I can study that. I can read that. I, I can understand it from the Bible. I can understand it from anything else that I would read. But since love is basically an inner heart experience, I cannot fully experience God's love until he touches my heart with his love, heals my heart, breaks my hardness. When he fills me to overflowing with and brings tears of joy to my eyes, then through an intuitive spiritual experience, I have fully experienced the love I read about. So what I'm talking about, again, is I'm talking about a opportunity because the word of God is living, it is absolute truth. At the same time, there is the spirit that causes it to come alive in our being. So I'm not talking about just understanding something intellectually, but I'm talking about something that that all of a sudden I, I know it in my spirit and my soul. So this is what we're talking about. We want to grow in that relationship. The word, again, is the safest, best place to hear God's voice. He does not, it never changes. He doesn't lie. Uh, That word is secure, but we need it to come alive in our lives. We need both, the objective and the subjective truth in our lives. Uh, Think about this for a moment. We've got the truth of God's word, but so much in life happens that you can't go to a, a chapter and a verse and find out exactly what to do. People say, "Well, uh, you know, who am I supposed to marry? Uh, it's not in here." You're going to have to hear from God. There are guides and things that He tells us that we need to be looking for, but at the same time, we need that we need the subjective, the the spirit to speak to us, we need to learn how to tune in. It will never speak contrary to the written word of God. He's never gonna say, do this when it's clearly contrary to God's word. So that's why we need to know both. We gotta have the objective word, we have to have the subjective word, and we have to understand both of those. We have a tendency, and especially in Western culture, to go at everything with our minds. We, we study and we learn and we get it in our minds. We have a tendency to believe because I understand it, And because I can read it and comprehend it, I got it. Well, the Bible is beyond that. It's not just that we learn and understand with our mind, but it's also by the Spirit that causes things to become real. Now, again, back to 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10. It says, but God has revealed them to us, what things? Those things freely given to us by God. So the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. He makes known to our spirit those things that have been freely given to us. So it's the Spirit that searches the deep things of God, and I read in in John 16, that leads us and guides us and speaks to us. He tells us things to come. It's the Spirit that's making the Word of God, the objective Word, come alive in our lives. Look at this a little different, another way. There are two words, primary words, that are translated in the Greek that we translate just W-O-R-D word. One is logos and the other is rhema. The logos refers to the whole word of God, the written word, the scriptures. Logos is the Greek word used in John 1 where Jesus is called the word. It is the objective word. It's information that can be studied with our minds, and we need to study the word. It It needs to become alive in our lives. The rhema word refers to the spoken word, the revealed word of God, When the word is revealed by the Spirit for a specific time, event, circumstance, or season, the rhema is the subjective. It's illuminated or revealed by the Spirit to our spirit. Again, we want both. We're we're not looking for one or the other. Uh, We need both. We need the objective, word of God. We need the logos, the written word, so that it comes alive in our life. And we need the spiritual or the subjective to be, to cause these things to come alive in our lives. Let me give you a little example. I was going through a, a time uh, a number of years ago that was sort of a stressful time and I just, I just really needed to hear from God. I needed something from God. Now I'd been reading in Genesis and as I had read in Genesis, now again, not, I wasn't reading that particular day, it'd been a few days or weeks before I'd been reading in Genesis, but all of a sudden there was this verse that came to mind. And it was basically, I'm your shield, your exceeding great reward. Now I go, wow, I just came to my remembrance. Well, what is that? That is the spirit causing the Logos to come alive in my mind. Uh, not making up something. He just all of a sudden reminded me that that came bubbling up. And I thought, oh, I remember reading that. That was in Genesis. And I remember actually on sort of on the page where it was. And I well, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. That was so important. I needed that. I needed to, to, I needed that assurance at that point in time. I'm your shield, your exceeding great reward. And I thought about it, recited it over and over again. And for two, three days, I did that. And then finally, I thought, you know, I probably ought to go look that up. So I went over to Genesis, and I, I can. Remember, sort of where I was reading it was Genesis 15 1. And actually, what it says is, Do not be afraid. I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. It's actually better than what I thought. But my point is, is that without having a foundation of the Logos, it's hard for the Spirit, the Ramah word, to come alive. And that's why I keep saying that the Word of God is our foundation for hearing God. If we will find ourselves in the word, spending time in the word, then God, that's the vocabulary, that he can speak through that word and cause that word to come alive in our lives. And I'll tell you, it it, whatever you're reading, wherever you are, he can cause whatever to cause that word to come alive because the spirit is, can cause that. That's what That's what he wants to do is to speak to us. Give you another example. In Exodus 25 through 39, the chapter's, God told Moses to build him a tabernacle. And he said, I want you to build it exactly the way I tell you to build it. I want you to build it in accordance to the scope and design. And I want a place that I can dwell with my people. And that's always been God's heart. He's always trying to pursue us. He's always trying to communicate to us. Believe it or not, he's chasing us. We're not chasing him. And so he told him to build this tabernacle He gave them the instructions to have an outer court and the outer court with natural light one way in comes to the altar for their sacrifice and the blood is shed and then the labor of washing. And then there's a holy place which is totally enclosed and there is no natural light in that place. And then the last place is the holy of holies which contain the Ark of the Covenant. Again, no light and only the high priest could go in one time a year. Again, it's a wonderful study, and I encourage you to read that all those chapters. We're told in Hebrews that actually that tabernacle that God told Moses to build is a type and a picture of what actually is in heaven. So we're told that Jesus went into heaven as our high priest with his own blood, and that's the reason that we can have a relationship with the living God. And so, but what the picture I want to point here is that in the outer court. We, the only way in, the one way in is Jesus, a, through his sacrifice and through baptism. But that speaks of the natural light, which is, again, we can study. It's the Logos word. But to go into the holy place, the only way you could go in there is be anointed of oil. And you could go in there, and the only light is by the, they call them the candlesticks, but they're actually uh, oil lamps. And that's the only light that's in there. That speaks of the Spirit. And so that's the revelatory, the rhema word of God. So what God is wanting to do, he's calling us to to know both. He's not saying, I don't don't want you to stay in the outer court. I don't want you to just stay in the Holy of Holies. I want you to come on in because he rent the veil from the top to the bottom. So the way into the presence of God is through Jesus, through his word. So we don't have to wait to go for something to happen. Something's already happened. But this is a picture in the Old Testament to understand of the the only way in through Jesus, the natural light that He gives to us, we can understand, and then the spiritual revelation that comes by the Spirit causes things to come alive, so that we can enjoy the presence of the Living God. This is what He's wanting. Now, again, I'm not implying it at all that there's that He's not interested in our in our intellect. What I'm just saying is is that we need both. We need both, both, both. We need the Logos word. We need the Rhema word. We need the objective truth. We need the subjective truth. We need the word of God, and we need the spirit. And we need all of that working in our lives if we're really gonna hear his voice. This again is from Vine's dictionary, talking about the difference between Logos and Rhema. The significance of Rhema is distinct from Logos is exemplified in the injunction to take the sword of the spirit which is the word rama of god that's in Ephesians 6:17 here the reference is not to the whole bible as such but to the individual scripture which the spirit brings to our remembrance for use in time of need a prerequisite for bringing and the regu- the prerequisite being the regular storing of the mind with scripture and this is so so very very important for us Typically, I will say this: a rhema word is a spontaneous thought, idea, word, or even a feeling or vision. Many times, when you read the word, it just sort of poop, it just comes alive. And I—I've read the word before, and I've read, 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 and you know, to be honest, I—you mean, know—I've sort of lose track, and I look back and I go, I don't even remember what I read. There's other times when I've read the word, all of a sudden, it just the the pages, the words jump off the page; they become real. They just. They just explode. I don't know how else to say it. It just sort of, it's wow. So I I picture it like this: It's sort of like smelling cologne or perfume. Somebody sprays it. It's just like it just fills the air. Uh, That's just what the spirit does. I was reading one time, one Peter five verse eight. It says, "Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, roams about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour." And as I read that, I immediately. In my spirit man, I the spirit spoke to me and said, I am the lion. Now, again, that's a scripture in Revelation chapter five. And so, <clears throat> but but think about this. The devil roams about like a roaring lion, seeking who may devour. Jesus is the lion. I mean, wow. One's acting like one, but one really is. It's and that's a huge deal. And I thought about that and I thought, oh, wow, that's wonderful. Again, I thought, you know, I know where that is in Revelation. I think I probably ought to go look it up. So I go to Revelation 5, and it's John, and he is going, you know, there's no one to open the seal. And I said, well, he said he looked, and he said, um, wow, it's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's overcome to open the seal. And it says John looked, and he said, behold, a lamb had been slain. And as I read that, I went, oh, my goodness, John in the natural is looking and he sees a lamb. Well, what they said is that, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed to open the seal. Wait a minute, is he a lion or a lamb? And I felt like the Lord spoke to me and he said, I'm a lamb to you, I'm a lion to your enemy. Now that, that's one of those things that, again, when, you, when I get the rhema word, when I get something like that, wow, I can remember it. I mean, it's not like something I have to try to write down and I've got to put it on the refrigerator so I can try to, no, no. It just, it becomes real, becomes alive in me. And that's what we're talking about, really getting this rhema word. Uh, I was understanding, it. it, this is, I've got so many examples. One of them of which was years ago, I was reading Matthew 16, and it says, Jesus asked him, said, who do men say that I am? And says said, well, some say you're Elijah and some say you're this. He said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, that's right, Peter. He said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I'm going to give to you the keys to the kingdom. And the moment I read that in scripture, I had a vision, a picture in my mind's eye when I was about six years old at my grandmother's house of an old armoire, and about six eye level was an old skeleton key that I would always pull out and play with. I hadn't thought of that. I'm 30-something years old. I have not thought of that ever that I can recall. Clearly, the Spirit brought that to remembrance. I just read a passage that said about the, the keys, and so all of a sudden, I'm going, okay, Lord, you key, key, key to the kingdom. You're, you're showing me something. I prayed about that and prayed about that, and that's all I got. But I kept remembering that. And about a year later, I was watching uh, Christian TV, and the lectern was a larger plastic one than this one. And in the front of it, it had an ornate cross that was etched in it. And when I saw that cross, I went, wow, that looks like that key, I remember. And the Lord spoke to me. and said, the cross is the key. That changed my life and caused me to move on a, I wrote a book called The Cross of the Key, but everything from that point on, began to discover the cross is the key to victorious living, cross is the key to really everything. So I just wanna encourage us, the word is the foundation, the spirit brings things to life. We need both. We need the objective, subjective. We need the logos and the rhema, we need them both. Not either or, we need them both. So I want to pray for us. You can see there's, if you have your manual, there's some other references to the rhema word, but this is what God wants to do. He loves us. He has written, he has given us his word, and he's given us his spirit to help us to hear him. So, Father, we love you and bless you and thank you that you have blessed us with everything in heavenly places. You've given to us your very presence. You've given us your word, and we thank you that you still speak today. I pray, Lord, for everyone that hears this, that you'd help us to to really hear you. Help us to to spend time in your Word, and we ask you, Holy Spirit, to cause it to come alive in each and every one of us. So I pray, Lord, for every person that watches this, that listens to this, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to have the same, uh, just revelation that you've given to me, and that you would cause the Word of God to come alive. And we just love you and bless you. and We thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this timely message. Pastor Terry and Susan Moore had a life-changing encounter with the Lord in August of 1982. They opened their home to a Bible study, which turned into a church now located in Carrollton, Texas. They have never been the same and hope that you encounter Christ in a real way. For more, connect to jterrymoore.org.